0: Hi, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today our guest is Maya Van Rossum. Maya is the founder of Green Amendment for the Generations, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to inspiring a movement to amend state constitutions to recognize and protect environmental rights on par with other inalienable civic and political freedoms. Maya, thank you for joining us today on Mainly Matters.
1: Thank you so much for having me and talking about this important opportunity.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's our pleasure. It's always exciting and fun to have um, people on the show that are concerned with Maine that are trying to make a difference in the lives of Mainers. So we're really glad to have you. Uh, it, it's my understanding that your organization works on affecting environmental legislation in various states across the country, and here in Maine specifically, the proposed legislation you are hoping to get put in place is called the Pine Tree Amendment. Can you tell us a little bit about? what your organization is doing on the national level in various states, and then tell us about the Pine Tree Amendment that is specific to Maine.
1: Yeah. So, um, again, I really appreciate this opportunity because, um, you know, I I think that here in in the United States of America, while we have a wealth of environmental protection laws, um, fundamentally these laws are really failing us. And we have communities that are drinking contaminated water and breathing contaminated air, We're, of course, facing a climate crisis. We have species that are environmentally and economically important that are being um, severely harmed and and declining and people living next to toxic sites and much, much more. And that's because our system of laws and government um, in every state across our nation and at the federal level really are designed to think about, environmental pollution and degradation at the end of the decision-making process when really the focus is on how are we going to permit and manage the pollution and degradation we're allowing rather than starting at the beginning of the process and thinking about how are we going to prevent harm first. Um, In addition, the legislation looking to um, advance environmental protection is just that. It is legislation, but it is not given constitutional level legal standing, um, which means that very often it's lesser than, you know, other uh, legal, political um, priorities and goals that people may have. And so it's very easy for government officials to set aside important environmental protections in order to advance um, other priorities they may have just Fight the devastating ramifications for communities, particularly environmental justice communities that increasingly find themselves in environmental sacrifice zones. So what Green Amendments for the Generations is all about, what my book, The Green Amendment, sort of launched this national movement and organization that I started. It's really about raising up the right to clean water and clean air and healthy environments up into the Bill of Rights section of our Constitution so that these rights, these fundamental and inalienable rights, are recognized as being as important and entitled to as much protection as the other fundamental rights we hold dear, like the right to free speech, the right to freedom of religion, private property rights, even the right to bear arms. and so that is that is what my mission is is really to inspire communities across the nation to do that um i had a uh, i i i founded this um movement based on a grand success we had in the commonwealth of pennsylvania um really breathing legal life into a long ignored constitutional environmental rights amendment and um we used it to defeat a very pro fracking piece of legislation that was going to take a bad fracking situation and make it dramatically worse for the people of Pennsylvania. And in the wake of that victory, I realized um, how powerful having a constitutional environmental right was and how important it was, not just legally, but emotionally and intellectually for people. So I looked at every constitution across the nation and I found that there were only two states, Pennsylvania and Montana, that raised up environmental rights as a constitutional right in the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution. And I embarked on this national movement to change that, to get what I call green amendments added to every constitution. In the state of Maine, we're calling it the Pine Tree Amendment to make really clear that that the language of the amendment that's being advanced by Senator Maxman and Senator Bennett and their legislative colleagues, as well as community members, is really very focused on The environmental goals and needs of the state of Maine.
0: That's uh, that's very informative, and it's actually uh, very insightful. And and you really touched upon some points that that I think uh, many people around the the country and and Mainers, myself included, might not really think about when they think about environmental rights. And and you, you you frame it up in a in a pretty interesting way. There, I'm sure it's getting a lot of attention. You you have a petition online that Mainers can sign if they want to uh, support the Pine Tree Amendment, as I understand it. If I'm going to take a minute, if you don't mind. I'm going to read it aloud for our audience. I, I found it on um, your website, which is pinetreeamendment.org. There's some great information there. Uh, but the, the petition reads as follows. I support the people of Maine, including future generations, having a constitutional right to a clean and healthy environment. Despite having a well-developed system of environmental laws that have provided important protections to our water, air, and natural landscapes, vulnerable communities, including the elderly, indigenous, and people of color across our great state of Maine continue to be seriously harmed by pollution and environmental degradation. There is clearly a gap in Maine's environmental protection laws, policies, and programs that can and should be filled by constitutional recognition of our our environmental rights, including those of future generations. Given that we all depend upon a clean and healthy environment to support and sustain our healthy lives and our healthy economy, it is right and appropriate that they should be protected with the same legal strength that we protect the other political, civil, property, and human rights we hold dear. We, the undersigned, support the passage of the Pine Tree Amendment, a Green Amendment for Maine. Which will amend the Declaration of Rights section of our state constitution by adding a new section that will recognize Article One, Section Twenty-Five, Environmental Rights. The people of the state have the right to clean and to a clean and healthy environment, and to the preservation of the natural, cultural, and healthful qualities of the environment. The state may not infringe upon these rights. The state shall conserve, protect, and maintain, and maintain. The state's natural resources, including but not limited to its air, water, land, and ecosystems, for the benefit of all the people, including generations yet to come. So that's that's very well written, um, and and I think it's a powerful uh, statement and petition. How are you doing with the petition in Maine? How many people have signed so far, or is there a specific number of signatures that you're trying to get? And, And I mentioned your website. But if there's somewhere else people should go specifically to sign the petition, definitely let us know.
1: Yeah. So um, so we've got um, uh, we're in the hundreds at this point. Um, I don't have the exact number, but we're in the hundreds, which is really great because we're right at the beginning of this initiative. We've made amazing progress. Um, in 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 fact, recently there was a a necessary procedural vote. Um, before the legislature that is allowing this proposed amendment to advance through the process um, so that both of the legislative houses can uh, have a vote. And if they vote by two-thirds in each house to advance the Pine Tree Amendment, then it will eventually go um, before the people of Maine. So it will really be up to the people to decide whether or not they want to amend their constitution um, in this way. There are two really great um, websites for people to get engaged and to get more informed. There's um, uh, my website that's part of the Green Amendment, the National Green Amendment movement, which is MaineForTheGenerations.org. And then we have a really powerful and growing uh, Maine state coalition that has come together around this effort. And that's PineTreeAmendment.org, and there too, people can go to to get more informed and more engaged. You'll find a petition on both sites because we're working very collaboratively, right? This is very much a main centric effort, um, as well as learning about other ways that you can get involved, um, or just learn about this this powerful idea. I mean, as you said, sort of opening up this part of the conversation, right? You you said that you know you comment about how this is something that people really don't think about the environment in this way. And that's exactly right. And it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book um, and started this, this movement is because people hear all the time, you know, whether it's at a rally or from the news or perhaps from, a, from a, a, a politician making a speech, you know, we have a right to clean water and clean air. But the truth is, you actually don't. Um, you might have that right in your heart. You might have that right in your mind. It certainly is a natural, and inalienable right that should belong to all people by virtue of the fact that we are here on this earth. But if you can't constitutionally enforce that right, then it's not really yours. It's great rhetoric that government officials can use. Um, and it sounds great at a rally or a press conference, but it doesn't actually change the lives of people who are being damaged by pollution and degradation. So raising up the environment to the constitutional level really returns the power to the people to hold their government accountable when government isn't properly protecting our water, our air and our environment for the benefit of all of us equitably, including future generations. And that's why the Constitution, you know, bringing the Constitution into this just makes a dramatic difference. It's about giving the power back to the people, um, yeah. not about, um, you know, growing the power of government.
0: Yeah, that's that's it's really uh, very insightful. I mean, just on the personal level, I I own 88 acres in Solon, Maine. Um, it's called Camp D'Ergo. The, the, the concept when I acquired it is to develop a nonprofit uh, fly fishing retreat for um, veterans, but it, it has 1,500 feet on the Kennebec River, and um, we were able to get permission to um, dig a uh, about a one-acre uh, pond on the property to stock with trout and got a permit from the state mm-hmm. of Maine to put trout in it. But uh, on the other hand, there's ATVs that uh, just drive all through the property and all around it, and they're kind of grandfathered in because of the trail system. And um, certainly, I don't want to Take away people's right to enjoy ATVs, but at the same time, on this particular property, you know they're tearing up and down and all over the place, and it's loud and it's it's a little bit unsafe sometimes, and um, that's kind of frustrating. So uh, I don't want to digress too much, but 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 definitely I, I can see how shifting the the narrative on on people's rights to uh, the environment as opposed to a kind of permitting process to justify certain activities, it it might be much more beneficial to to look at it um, in a much different perspective from the start. Uh, Your organization talks a lot about the topics of environmental justice and environmental racism. What can you tell us about those things in particular? You know, what specifically is environmental justice, environmental racism, and who does it affect and how does it affect people?
1: So, um, in, environmental racism is, and and the creation of environmental sacrifice zones, which is sort of a part of that, is really about the many ways that government, through the implementation of existing laws, really targets Native American communities, communities of color, other indigenous communities, for highly polluting industrial activities, uh, toxic contamination. Uh, water contamination and other environmental harms and what they do through the implementation of existing laws or through the absence of laws that are really about ensuring that all people have the same equitable protection when it comes to the environment what happens is that indigenous communities communities of color and low-income communities find themselves consistently becoming home to more and more air pollution, water pollution, toxic soil pollution that damages every aspect of their lives. It harms their health. It harms their property values. Um, It makes them more uh, susceptible to serious illness like COVID. Um, And it damages the quality of their lives. It even impacts the ability of children to learn. There's so much research out there about how Um, uh, communities of color that live in more urban areas that really are truly targeted uh, environmental sacrifice zones, the pollution can be so serious, what's in the air, that it actually impacts their capacity to learn. Hmm. So that harms them, you know, as children in their lives, but it also affects the entirety of their lives, right? Because having a good education and the capacity to learn is how you, right, you grow and you progress and you get that loving job that you that you will enjoy throughout your life and, and contribute back to, to community. So that's what environmental racism is, right? That's what environmental sacrifice zones are. It's about um, intentionally targeting communities of color, low-income communities, and indigenous communities for environmentally harmful activities in order to protect, frankly, richer, whiter, better politically connected communities. Environmental justice um, and the environmental justice movement, which really is an outgrowth... Um, decades ago of the civil rights movement is about recognizing that environmental racism is real and that we do need true justice when it comes to the environment, that all of us should have access to clean water and clean air and healthy soils in which to grow healthy foods and good quality communities to live in that include healthy environmental attributes. Uh, There has been you know, wonderfully a real raising up of the importance of of the environmental justice movement and highlighting how serious and real and devastating environmental racism is. And that um, environmental justice, just like when we talk about policing and healthcare and education and economic reform, in order to restore or to restore justice for communities of color on those many fronts, there's now a real recognition that the environment also needs systemic reform in order to provide equity for and protection for all communities of color for the environment. Raising up constitutional environmental rights into the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution is a powerful tool for ensuring true environmental justice and ending environmental racism. Because when we have a constitutional environmental right in the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution, it means that all people, regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their socioeconomic status, we all have the same constitutional right to a healthy environment. And government officials become duty bound, constitutionally bound to protect the environmental rights of all the people equitably. And when government fails to do that, people who are being harmed, um, marginalized communities that are being harmed, now can have access to the courts to make their case that their constitutional right is being infringed upon. And in so doing, to you know restore, restore the protections that they are equally entitled to, along with everybody else, that right to... Have their water and their air and their soils and their communities benefit from healthy, quality environments, just like everybody else. There are many, many ways that the Constitution actually accomplishes this, and so we do at NameForTheGenerations.org. You will find materials about the environmental justice values of having a constitutional green amendment, and so if people are really focused on that, I hope they'll. They'll take a look at that um, and also know that on um, National Green Amendment Day, July 13th, we're going to have a special program really focused on environmental justice, and people will be able to learn more about that um, at that website.
0: Okay, well, well thank you. That's very uh, powerful, the, the, the words you just put together there. It's, it really opens up one's, um, I think, frame of thinking, because myself included, And probably many people listening uh, aren't really aware of some of the uh, things you just talked about in in regards to how the environment would play a role in um, other people's lives in in that capacity. So interesting and insightful, and definitely, uh, I think we'll have some people thinking more about that and and hopefully researching more and learning more about it. Um, Specific to the state of Maine, how does the proposed Pine Tree Amendment actually go know to become a law like what will it take what steps will it take to make it actually happen and and do you have any estimated time frame as to when you hope it might actually you know go into effect
1: so there are two possible pathways at this point um the, the 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 first pathway in terms of timing um the first is that um the Each of the legislative houses of the Maine legislature will vote on a Pine Tree Amendment and advancing it forward. And if two-thirds of the legislators in each of the legislative houses vote in support of the Pine Tree Amendment this legislative session, then it will be on the November ballot for the people of Maine to be able to vote in November to have a constitutional right to a clean and healthy environment. If the legislators don't provide that two thirds level of support in each of the legislative houses, well, then it's going to take a little bit longer and we're going to have to try again next year. Um, so, but you know, this is really a near term opportunity. Senator Maxman, um, Senator Bennett, Representative O'Neill, and Representative Pluker are the primary legislative leaders on the Pine Tree Amendment, and they have really been doing a powerful job of making the case with their legislative colleagues that this is essential for um, the people of Maine if we truly all want to get the many, many benefits that a clean and healthy environment provides us. It's not just about the beauty of nature that we all get, but just as you you know, as you alluded to, right? There are tremendous economic values. There are tremendous quality of life values. There are tremendous health values, including mental health values. You know, your effort to bring veterans out, you know, to engage in fishing that has so many beneficial impacts for the people that are engaged in that activity. Um, economically, tremendous growth depends upon a clean and healthy environment. And for, you know, those industries where you you might say, well, you know, uh, big business or development, you know, how are they going to benefit from the environment? Well, you know, uh, manufacturing needs clean water, um, pharmaceuticals or other industrial operations need healthy workers. Um, you know, they're there and the energy industry. They, too, have a pathway. They can, you know, there are many, many ways to create energy, to engage in development. You can do it the right way or the wrong way when it comes to the environment. What a constitutional um, environmental rights amendment does, it says that whatever industry you work in, you have to do it the right way when it comes to the environment. For developers, right, developers, you might say, well, how will a developer benefit? Well, developers benefit immensely from sustainable development projects. Not Mm -hmm. only um, do their projects sell at a higher price point, right? Do they get more money when they actually reach sale, but they actually sell more quickly. So I don't care what business you're in, you will benefit from the right to a clean and healthy environment for all the people of Maine and all business operations have the opportunity again, to be part of the solution and the Green Amendment just helps make sure that everybody is refocusing on how can we live our lives? How can we advance our economic development in a way that protects the environment at the same time we're accomplishing whatever our other, you know, our other goals are?
0: Sure. And and um, it's interesting, you know, you do have a, a path to, to success, it seems, that, that's defined and, and might be reached in the near time. The November ballot would be uh, an amazingly, you know, condensed time frame to get something like this through, and I think that you know where we are as a society today with online, you know, this podcast, uh, websites, just social media gives gives people such as yourself a much broader platform and a, and a much um, broader way to reach people and get them engaged. Uh, many years ago, in the mid '90s, I proposed a citizens' initiative in the state of Maine. To raise the age to buy cigarettes from 18 to 21, um, simply because uh, no one was waiting till age 18 statistically to start smoking. <laughs> they were, they were all getting uh, hooked at age 15 and 16, and and, and it was very difficult back then. Um, you know, there was no internet really at all. It, it, was, it was all, you know, getting signatures and, and a much harder way to get your message out. Much more costly. Um, I wasn't able to get enough signatures. And interestingly enough, it took the state of Maine about 20 years, a little over 20 years, and then they changed the law and made it you have to be 21 to buy cigarettes. So I was a little ahead of my time, I guess, with that. But certainly with what you're doing um, and the way you can reach people, um, I think it's it's exciting that you can kind of make these uh, fundamental change proposals and get them moving as quickly as you're able to do. So that's great. Uh, regarding the state of Maine and on the national level, who are your opponents? Like who opposes this? Um, what's their argument? And, you know, is there a sig- significant opposition that you have to overcome?
1: So so the arguments in opposition in all of the states where um, There is a Green Amendment effort, a Constitutional Environmental Rights Amendment effort advancing. All the counter arguments are amazingly the same and equally, um, in some cases, silly, in other cases, ill-informed, and in all cases, easily overcome. So, you know, one of the primary arguments, as you can imagine, is business operations, developer, industry, you know, try to suggest that if the, if a constitutional environmental rights amendment is passed, is added to the constitution that all economic development in the state is going to stop. Well, that is simply not true. First off, um, you know, people who are really paying attention to, to, to environmental protection and economic growth understand the powerful connection between a healthy environment and a healthy economy. When our water, our air, our soils are polluted and devastated and damaged, when people's healthy lives are harmed by pollution and degradation, all business is harmed. Because again, business operators themselves need healthy, clean natural resources, whether they're part of the ecotourism industry or not. And they all need Healthy workers, healthy, happy workers that can and want to come to work, right, and can work well in whatever business we're talking about. So a healthy environment and a healthy economy go hand in hand. A healthy environment also helps to avoid the economic consequences, harms, the, the cost to taxpayers and to government um, and to people that come from pollution and degradation. You know, when 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 we have too much air pollution... Kids and adults suffer from increased asthma attacks and heart attacks. That's increased medical costs for individual families as well as for government. When we devastate our landscapes so that flooding and flood damages increase and downstream homeowners literally get washed out of their homes, it costs them in terms of their health and their safety and their bank accounts. But it also costs our communities, our state governments, even our federal governments and taxpayers who really have to help those communities rebuild, rebuild their lives, rebuild their homes, hopefully rebuilding their homes on safer, higher ground as opposed to in the same dangerous places. Um, And those are just two examples. There are a lot of economic costs um, for all of us when we have polluted, degraded environments. So a clean and healthy environment is actually economically strengthening. We create more jobs by going down the clean energy path versus the dirty fossil fuel path. In fact, we create three to five times the number of jobs for every million dollars invested in clean renewable energy versus dirty fossil fuels. So we can debunk that one pretty easily. The other one is uh, they say this is going to be a massive, there's going to be massive onslaught of litigation, right? This is a lawyer make work initiative. And that also is simply not true. Bringing a constitutional challenge is a high bar for attorneys, and what we have seen in Pennsylvania and Montana, where there are existing constitutional environmental rights amendments, green amendments, we see three to nine lawsuits a year that are raising constitutional environmental rights as part of the litigation. Um, and and the idea suggested by some that there'll be massive frivolous lawsuits that are brought forth. Um, that is just a red herring. Lawyers are, they have ethical obligations and legal obligations not to bring frivolous lawsuits. And when they, in fact, pursue li- frivolous lawsuits, right, their licenses can be put at risk. They can have to pay sanctions. There are a lot of costs for them personally and professionally and economically to going down that path. So lawyers don't do that. Lawyers are not inclined to bring frivolous suits. If in fact there were a major onslaught in a state of litigation, real, meaningful litigation, with the passage of a green amendment, well, it would mean there was a real problem in that state when it came to the health and safety of people um, and the quality of their environment. So that would suggest that it, that 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 in that state, a constitutional environmental rights amendment was needed even more than in other places. But clearly, in Maine, you know, where there is such an appreciation for the beauty, value, and importance of nature, there there will certainly be some additional litigation or legal arguments on the constitutional front. but there is not going to be a massive onslaught of litigation, and certainly no frivolous litigation.
0: Thank you. yeah, um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry yeah. continue.
1: No, no, I was just and then just the other the other big one, just. The, The other big one is people say, well, this language is so broad. What does it mean to have a clean and healthy environment? And really there, I just remind people that Bill of Rights language is intended to be broad. It's intended to be broad so that, because remember the constitution is the agreement between the people and their government. And it's people saying to government, when we agree for you to govern over us, um, we are putting in place certain limitations. There are certain fundamental human inalienable rights we have that we are telling you hands off you can't infringe except in exceptional circumstances speech property religion are are among those rights and now we're simply adding the environment and you know clean water clean air what is that well that's that kind of language is on par with what does it mean to have the right to speak freely what does it mean to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures? All bill of rights language has a level of specificity, but also a level of broadness that will allow it to guide government action and judicial decisions, but also allow it allow it to evolve over time as you know our communities grow and change. So the um, the Pine Tree Amendment language is. Perfectly on par with the kind of language we see in other fundamental rights found in the Bill of Rights section of the main constitution.
0: Thank you. That's uh, very, very, very good explanation of of, of that component, and um, appreciate that. I mean, you know, th- what what I heard that really kind of was bouncing around in my head as a positive would be the ability to create um, more jobs and and possibly uh, more economic growth within the environmental uh, protection framework. I mean, Maine, anyone that knows Maine um, or looks at Maine from the outside knows that it, the state definitely needs more jobs. It needs more um, economic growth opportunity. And if that can be done responsibly and actually maybe help turn the tables because, you know, you get north of portland and and um, you know Maine in general is is hurting. Um, very low incomes, not a lot of uh, upward mobility. It's the oldest state in the country. Many people leave leave Maine uh, as young people, not because they want to, but because they they kind of have to to find work uh, to just uh, you know so it, it's a difficult thing. but if if this sort of thing could help maybe turn the table, and um, highlight Maine's environmental beauty and, and its natural resources in a responsible way, and also create job opportunities and growth opportunities. And, and highlight that it, it could be a real, uh, real shining star on the on the national level to show how this type of um, environmental legislation can actually turn into a an economic um, growth engine for for some states. And and, and, convert- and I just want to mm-hmm.
1: add to that. You know, I think that that. One of the things I want to highlight is one of the things that's so powerful is this is a, a modern transformational environmental protection movement. And we do have 12 states where there are Green Amendment proposals, Constitutional Environmental Rights Amendment proposals. But Maine is very much viewed nationwide as a leader um, when it comes to uh constitutional environmental rights. So people are really watching what's happening in Maine and are really excited by it. So just your you know what you were talking about about you know people turning to Maine watching it, what's happening in Maine, you know having the the importance and the beauty and the values of environmental protection in Maine be um, highlighted and how that can help economic growth. This um this constitutional environmental rights advancement, a movement, the Pine Tree Amendment effort in Maine is something that is garnering a lot of really positive attention from others nationwide. So it already is helping to highlight and spotlight the beauty of Maine when it comes to the environment.
0: Sure. And and you know another point I'll just make I've got quite a few friends that are registered Maine guides and that make a living um, or a partial living, you know, doing that sort of thing. And one of the common complaints that I hear from them across the board is just how expensive it is for them to try to be in that business because the the state and then local municipalities, they just, you know, there's a, fa- a fee for everything, licensing fees, use tax. It, it just becomes, um, in their words, you know, a real economic burden to even be in the business of trying to uh, Show people, you know, Maine's outdoors in a responsible way, and perhaps if the economic um, components of, of this sort of legislation could could shift and and be a positive influx of economic activity and, and revenue, it might lessen the burden that the state and local municipalities have to you know try to pass on to everyone uh, in the industry just to to keep the lights on, so to speak. So it could could have a positive effect. Um, in a variety of ways that people might not be thinking about.
1: I totally agree with you. And I think you said it beautifully.
0: Well, thank you. Um, So, Maya, we're getting ready to wrap up, but got a couple more questions for you. Your book, The Green Amendment, uh, you've mentioned it uh, earlier in the show. You know, tell us a little bit more about that. What led you to want to write the book? Um, When did you write it? And, you know, where can our audience get a copy of that book, The Green Amendment, if they're interested in reading it?
1: So people probably have heard at one point or another about how um, natural gas extraction is really running rampant in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and really having devastating consequences for Pennsylvania communities economically in terms of their health, their safety, their quality of their lives, their property values, you know, kids literally waking up in pools of blood from nosebleeds caused by nearby fracking operations, Um, people having pipelines blow up and literally setting their houses on fire and one gentleman setting him on fire, um, families unable to safely bathe in their own homes or get drinking water out of their household faucets because of fracking contamination. So this is a an industry that came to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in the mid-2000s. And given the state of the law was really, again, running rampant and having their way with Pennsylvania's communities and natural resources. the But for the fracking industry and for their um, political allies, you know, they wanted to find a way to make it easier for themselves. And so the, the fracking industry wrote a piece of legislation that the Pennsylvania legislature um, passed and the governor signed in in 2012 that was going to make it even easier for the fracking industry to advance by putting in place automatic waivers from environmental protection standards, by overriding local zoning um, so that towns who wanted to limit this industrial operation to other areas of their community where industries were operated, were in fact forced to allow fracking in the heart of residential communities, nearby homes and hospitals and playgrounds, and much more. And so a bad situation was going to get much, much worse if this law called Act 13 was allowed to stand. Um, Me and my role as the Delaware Riverkeeper and leader of a four-state organization, the Delaware Riverkeeper Network, have been fighting fracking for a long time. So when this law was passed, you know, we we knew we had to find a way to challenge it. And we are an advocacy litigation organization, so you know, thinking about a lawsuit was a natural important and needed step here. The thing is is, you know, when you have a law that's been passed by the legislature and signed by the governor, your your options for overturning it, turning it back are very very limited. Usually, it can be limited to, you know, protest and hopefully electing better people to office during the next election so that maybe, you know, you have people in positions of political power that will turn back the bad law, whatever it is you were challenging. But we knew with Act 13, if we allowed this law to advance, to get a foothold, to begin to operate, it was going to have immediate devastating consequences that could never be undone, regardless of, you know, um, future alterations. So, So we had to stop the law before it even started. And when thinking about the legal path for doing that, we remembered that in the Pennsylvania Constitution, there was actually this environmental rights amendment that had been placed in the Constitution decades before, but had been um, I, determined by the Pennsylvania courts to be just a statement of policy and to not have the same legal strength as other fundamental rights in the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution. So we had this great language on the book, but nothing had you know, changed in terms of environmental protection in the state. But we thought, I and my attorneys thought, you know, that maybe this law was so egregious that this would be our opportunity to get the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to reconsider that 42 years of bad precedent. And long story short, they did. And they did so in significant part based upon Pennsylvania's constitutional Environmental rights amendment. So we got that law, the provisions we were challenging to be declared unconstitutional, and stopped the law before it even got a chance to get started and prevented a whole host of harms that would have come cascading down on environmental, enviro- or on Pennsylvania environments and communities um, if the law had been allowed to go into effect. In the wake of that victory, right, I started thinking about how powerful our victory was in terms of environmental protection, how transformative it was in terms of the law and recognizing that people didn't just have an inalienable right to clean water and clean air, but they had a constitutionally enforceable right to clean water and clean air. And I did my research and I looked at every constitution across the nation and found that there was only one other state that had an environmental rights amendment similar to what Pennsylvania has, and that's the state of Montana. So I went about defining this idea of a constitutional green amendment and what would be the essential elements to have strongest constitutional protection for environmental rights. Again, I dubbed it the green amendment um, and started to try to spread the word to other states and other communities. And it quickly became clear that there was so much interest in this idea that I needed to have a larger platform to advance it. So I wrote the book called The Green Amendment, Securing Our Right to a Healthy Environment that was published in November, 2017. And then I founded Green Amendments for the Generations and you know started to spread the word, but also um, equally as important, make sure that I could be there as a partner and a resource for... The people in the states that wanted to grab a hold of this idea. And um so I work very, very closely with the communities that are interested in this idea and all of the states where it's advancing. In the state of maine, and every every state, the the you know the movement got started in a different way. In the state of Maine, which is you know, in each state, it's very much driven by the individuals and the organizations that we work with in that state, where the resource and a partner, but it is driven by the people of that state. In Maine, I um, somebody uh, read my book. Her name is Michelle Hankin. And she immediately saw the value of this for the state of Maine and got in touch. And we started talking. And um, she she connected with another woman, Andy Burt, from Down to Earth Storytelling. And you know, Andy joined the conversation. And we really started talking about how to advance this idea in Maine. That was where it began, with these two really powerful women in Maine recognizing that there was value for this, for the people of Maine. And at this point, there is now a growing coalition, more and more people coming to the movement. We have powerful legislators, as I said, Senator Maxman, Senator Bennett, uh, Representative O'Neill and Representative Kluker, that really are at the forefront of advancing um, this concept in Maine. And, um, and it's going beautifully. Oh, and if people want the book, because it does, I really try to make the case, you know, how is it that our, our system of laws in Maine, as well as beyond are failing us? You know, what is the problem with those laws? How does constitutional environmental rights you know, how is that transformative? Why does that make a difference? And then also just talking about making a case for the economic values of a healthy environment and, the um, you know, telling stories about people who are impacted by environmental pollution and degradation and those that are benefited by clean and healthy environments. So um, I call it, I really, I think of it as a glorified fact sheet um but it is a book it's written to be um enjoyed and and i am proud to say that it it has won um a really wonderful award and a, and an honorable mention in some um, great book awards and uh, so if, if folks want to buy it they can uh, if they go to nameforthegenerations.org you can find out how how to buy the book you can buy it on amazon and i do want to assure people that you know i wrote this book because i believe in this idea and i believe in this movement and um not a single penny of book sales goes into my pocket every bit of profit goes right to the green amendment for the generations organization and movement because for me this is about saving the world it's not about making money right so um so if people are interested that's that's how they can get a copy but that's also how they can you know help support the movement
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you. That's uh, that's amazing um, to hear the whole whole backstory there. Again, um, I think everyone's familiar with, with Amazon. So anyone can go to Amazon and, and um, look for the Green Amendment and pick up a copy if they want. Good to know that the proceeds are supporting your cause. Um, so Maya, thank you so much. We're, we're going to be wrapping up here. But before we go, and for our listeners that, again, if they're in Maine and they want to help uh, support the Pine Tree Amendment. Um, they want to help your efforts. I know they can go to your website, Pinetreeamendment.org. There is a link there. I'm looking right at it on the home page that says take action. Um, there's some drop-down tabs. Become a leader, write a letter, sign the petition underneath that ta- take action tab. There's also a link to your national movement. Um, very, very uh, cleanly done website with some straightforward information. Uh, but just recap, if, if if someone out there is listening and they, they want to help, um, what's the best way for them to do that right now?
1: So the best way for them to do that is to go to pine tree dot org or name for the generations dot org. Go to the take action page on each of those websites and sign the petition. And as soon as you sign the petition, we will get you engaged right, and 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 bring you into the movement to the degree that you want to be a part. Also on that Take Action page, you can find opportunities or be encouraged to write a letter to the editor to help spread the word about the value of having constitutional environmental rights because ultimately it is going to be up to the people of Maine. And each of us speaking out and speaking up within our communities have a powerful role to play to bring others to understand that when they get the opportunity to support the Pine Tree Amendment, it would be valuable for them to do so. And just one other opportunity is, you know, go to your local town council, go to your local business or civic organization and encourage them to go to pinetreeamendment.org and see how their business or their civic association can also become a part of the movement by signing up in support. Because again, it's going to take all voices collectively to help educate the entire community about what this could mean for Maine, how beneficial it, how beneficial it will be um and why they should want to support it. It's going to be all of us working together in the state of Maine to get the Pine Tree Amendment passed.
0: Thank you and 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 I will also mention if someone is listening to this this episode and and you want to help um spread the word, you can also just forward this podcast episode to Friends, family members yes, in Maine, and let exactly. them
1: exactly,
0: yeah, and let them hear directly, um, you know, how they can about about the movement, uh, what it means, and, and how Maine can benefit, and and how you know, I think um, there is a saying: as Maine goes, so goes the nation, and and there's lots of examples of how the tiny state of Maine. I mean, it is a small state population wise. Um, it's just produced some great leaders um, that have gone on on the national and global stage, and it's produced some some great things. and And um, as Maya said, a lot of people around the country, a lot of other uh, states or organizations that support um, the Green Amendment, they're they're looking at Maine as kind of a a shining star. So this might be an opportunity to not only help Maine, uh, but also uh, help other states across the country understand how they can, uh, look at, at similar, um, legislation in the future to help, help improve their environmental, um, outlook. So Maya, thank you so much for coming on Mainly Matters. This has been really informative and, um, much, uh, m- much better, I guess, than I, than I expected. I don't mean to say that, that I didn't expect it to be great, but very informative, I guess I should say. It's really opened up my own mind and eyes to some of the things around, um, the Pine Tree Amendment and just the environment in general that I, I really hadn't thought about too much. And I think you're doing a great job of of elevating that that conversation and and moving forward and taking action. So thank you again for for coming on Mainly Matters.
1: Well, thank you so much for those kind words. It really means a lot to me to hear that from a leader like you who is making such a difference in spreading the word and your own good works on your property. So it means the world to me. And I'm I'm glad I was able to share this in a way that was engaging and, and helpful and um, really, really appreciate your support in helping to spread the good word. It's through people like you, right, that we're going to be able to reach all the audiences Um everywhere in Maine and get this movement really really advancing as powerfully as we need it to be. So thank you.
0: Well you're welcome and thank you as well again. It's been been a pleasure. This is John Breyer with Mainly Matters. We'll be back soon with another episode and thanks for stopping by.